You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Josh Ward, along with Andrew Wade. It is a Ward and Wade Wednesday, and Andrew, I'm excited for today's show because now we have the opening weekend of Big Ten football behind us, more football coming. We have off-field conversations. COVID continues to creep into the chatter as well, but we're going to break it all down today. So we'll talk about what happened this past weekend. We'll look ahead to this upcoming week, catch you up on some of the news out there in the college football world. But we had Big Ten football this past weekend. What'd you think? Yeah, man, I was excited. I had both TVs going the entire weekend. Uh, Wisconsin, Illinois was not a great way to start my weekend. I thought Illinois was going to be better. I thought Wisconsin was going to be worse. I lost a lot of money. It wasn't a very fun Friday for me kicking off the Big Ten, but it was great to see Big Ten football. For me personally, I mean, I know SEC fans out there, Big 12 fans, Mm -hmm. um, ACC fans, you probably felt like college football is back. We're good. It hasn't felt like that for me until this weekend, so it felt really good. And then we get the Pac-12 back in a little over a week, so Great to hear for college football. We're getting all the conferences finally back in play. And I have a lot to talk about the Big Ten, man. Did Ohio State live up to everything, at least on the offensive side, that it had been built up to be? There's one incompletion for Justin Fields, and it was a ball that could have been caught in the end zone on a long pass play that would have been a touchdown for Justin Fields. That was quite a showing, I thought, in that opener against Nebraska. Yeah, it was an impressive game. What was most impressive to me is I actually thought Ohio State played kind of sloppy and they still beat them 52 to 17 or something like that. Um, Nebraska actually, to me, played pretty well, all things considered. But yeah, yeah I mean, that just showed the dominance of Ohio State and uh, the fact that they didn't have a big lead going into the first half or going into the second half, excuse me, and really turned on the Jets at the end of this, you know, at the end of the second half. I thought they did a really great job and um, I think solidified themselves as the front runner, especially with Penn State dropping a game to, you know, Indiana, Michigan looked a lot better, but I still don't think they're nearly on the same page at Ohio State. People are talking about Michigan. Are they back? Uh, I'm going to give the same thing I always give to the Texas fans. They aren't. Let's wait till they actually play a real team. I've, I have not been that high on Minnesota, but yeah, Ohio State, definitely the cream of the crop in the Big Ten, man. Yeah, and um, we can continue with Ohio State, but you mentioned Penn State. Obviously, that loss and that game, that finish, got a ton of attention. Talk about the excitement of college football, uh, and I love the the decision-making, at least, of Tom Allen. I'm, I'm a big analytics guy, so when math comes into play, nerd Josh comes out. But on the Penn State side, it's a disappointing loss, isn't it? And then you have the news, Noah Kane's loss for the year at running back. What's the impact there, do you think, for the Nittany Lions opening up with a loss now with – Uh, with the personnel they expected to have at running back greatly diminished. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't that impressed with what Penn State did in that first half. They got it going in the second half. Um, to me, Penn State still has the ability to be a seven and you know, more like a six and two, five and three team. I think what we just realized though is Indiana is finally here. Uh, they have been a team on the rise the last couple of years under Tom Allen, and they are a team that is going to compete in the Big Ten East. Um, from Penn State's perspective, though. I don't think it's going to be as easy of a year. You needed to beat Indiana. The goal was to get to Ohio state undefeated one and oh, and I don't think they have the ability to match up with Ohio state. I think it's going to be a two to three touchdown game for Ohio state. Okay. Uh, And that's probably where I would go because I think you just have a a clear roster advantage and a quarterback advantage and Fields did look locked into me. And uh, you know, he came across as a very motivated guy to get out there on the field. Right. And we, we saw the way that he had developed last year. I mean, he made a big jump from his freshman year at Georgia to what he did last year. And then what we saw on Saturday, 
I've told you on the show the last few weeks, it feels like the top teams are Alabama out of the SEC, Clemson out of the ACC. I know they messed around with Syracuse, but that's partly to me because they can. And then yeah. I would say Ohio State from the Big Ten and nothing. One weekend to Big Ten play has changed my mind there. Uh, completely agree. Uh, so I mean, we have those top three. And then I think not to transition over to the Big 12, but Oklahoma State kept their name in the running yeah. for that number four spot. I don't feel like we've seen a, a team separate themselves that number four, right? I mean, we have those top three. I think it's pretty clear, but there's not a clear number four to me at all. And Oklahoma State, if they keep winning, are going to keep putting themselves in that conversation, man. Yeah, I think you have three teams that have the best argument right now for that fourth spot. Uh, two because of record, and that was a nice win for Oklahoma State against Iowa State. So it would be OK State, it would be Notre Dame, and then Georgia because Georgia has the roster and its one loss was against Bama, which is in that top three. So d- d- do you agree? And then let's see what let's see what Texas A&M does as the season goes along because it also has one loss, which was against Alabama. Now it lost in pretty ugly fashion, but it. it if you look at the schedule for AM, there's the possibility of running the table. And if that happens, there's a case to be made at the end of the season. But th- those would be the first three that I would mention right now. Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and Georgia for that fourth spot. Couldn't agree more. Um, I'll be interested to see how USC looks when they come back, how sure. Oregon looks when they come back. Those are the yeah, other Pac-12 two teams. Pac-12 is to probably... be determined in this conversation. Exactly. I think those are the other two teams I'd probably consider in that. Um, are you considering BYU? I mean, I'm personally not at this point. I just can't see a – a situation where BYU runs the table and they actually make that final four. I mean, they've had some good games. They just really haven't played anyone. That's how I see it. Uh, I think BYU is a good story. I think BYU's quarterback is a legitimately good player in Zach Wilson, and they deserve to be brought up in this conversation as you're doing right now. Shout out to Locked On Cougars. They're they're getting a weekly mention. They do a great job with that show, and that's a a program that uh, should be respected. I just – I can't look at the schedule – and know what the personnel really is compared to these other teams that we're talking about, and then say, yep, BYU I, I would put in. Like, I bring up Georgia, uh, and of course I'm hosting a show in the SEC locked on Vols, but realistically, if Georgia does win the rest of its games, can you make a case for BYU versus Georgia with them having not played one another? I can't, not realistically. Uh, so they're a great story, and Zach Wilson's a fun quarterback to watch, but a playoff team, I would probably say no. Yeah, and I think that's actually when you talk about the college football playoff committee, there's always going to be pros and cons or whatever way you're using to analyze who the top four teams are. But you can at least somewhat predict how the college football playoff committee is going to pick these teams because they're they're going to look at record, but they're also going to look at how good your team actually is, which I think is a an interesting dilemma that you're faced with when you're looking at a BYU that might be undefeated and you're looking at a Georgia with one loss. They're going to look at Georgia on paper and say, yeah, George is clearly better than BYU. There's no way they would put them ahead of that. So you have that personnel yeah. biases within the, the college football playoff committee, which I think is very interesting and needs to be taken into account when considering who that number four team is. I will be curious to see what the argument is like at the end of the season because of the Big Ten starting up a little bit later and the Pac-12 starting up later than the other power conferences. And you have just different type schedules, period, right? With uh, you know, This is a year where the SEC is actually playing more conference games than the others. That's typically the argument and argument, at least against the SEC as well. They only play eight conference games. They're actually playing 10, which is more just because of time. But uh, the the argument at the end of the season could get kind of wild because you could be looking at multiple one or even two lost teams that this year could have a, have a case because it is conference only. Like a, There could be a two-loss team that has a legitimate argument because those two losses 
would have probably come against quality teams. We'll see in the end, but I, I think it could be pretty wild. My guess is, though, that we're also going to be talking about a bunch of teams for one spot. I, I'm, I'm likely not going to be budging off Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, unless there's an injury at the quarterback uh, position, especially at Clemson or Ohio State there. Couldn't agree more. One other team I want to touch on as well is Wisconsin. And not because yeah. not because I feel like they are already in that mix for that fourth spot, but because they were a team that I feel like put a lot of things together on Friday night, looked very good. Wisconsin has a quarterback. It's like Alabama when you get a quarterback. Wisconsin's always consistently a top 15 team, top 10 team, but they're not an elite team. And Graham Mertz looked ridiculously good on Friday night, but now he's out for three weeks, how and they might have the game canceled against Nebraska. I mean, I think that's something we need to dive into as well. Why don't we do that when we come back? A big showing last week, but when will he show up again, Graham Mertz, and what will they do at that position with Wisconsin against Nebraska this upcoming weekend? We'll cover that coming up right here on Locked On College Football. And you know what Wisconsin fans could maybe use with the news that's come out? A cold Coors Light. Sometimes you want to sit back, you want to enjoy the game, you want to unwind, but maybe you want to deal with some of the bad news or if your team doesn't have a great game. Uh, I mentioned Tennessee fans might have enjoyed a cold Coors Light after that Alabama game on Saturday afternoon. It is literally made to chill from Coors Light. Yeah, man. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind, or like you said, in your case, for Tennessee fans to take a second and chill, or for my, you know, for me to take a second sure. and chill after that Iowa loss to Purdue. I definitely cracked open a nice ice cold Coors Light. Coors Light is the drink that I choose when I need to unwind or get over a tough loss. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right. You can have Coors Light delivered directly to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, remember to celebrate responsibly, a part of the Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is also, of course, a Ward and Wade Wednesday. So we're only halfway through the week here, Andrew. The week is not over. The week keeps going. Built Bars can help you with that. They have 18 amazing flavors. They continue to add to the list. They continue to update their products and great flavors. Caramel Brownie is one of their newest. I love the peanut butter brownie the most. They're also a healthy option for you. So you have all these bars that are covered in 100% chocolate. They have nut and non-nut flavors that are available. And then bars that are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's a great option on the go from Built Bar. Yeah, man, it's what I choose every single day when I need a quick pick-me-up. I mean, we talked about it. Our Tuesdays are absolutely packed, man. I need something to get me through the day. I didn't get to have lunch today, so I grabbed myself a pumpkin chocolate chip built bar. That's right. On top of their awesome, delicious flavors they usually have, they also have brand new seasonal flavors. So if you're a pumpkin spice kind of person, check out the pumpkin chocolate chip built bar. And right now you can actually get built bar for a great price. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on L O C K E D O N for 20% off at builtbar.com. Andrew, as you mentioned, Wisconsin looked really good last Friday. And Graham Mertz was getting, I think he was getting all the attention heading into Saturday, wasn't he, with the kickoff to the rest of the Big Ten. But now you have reports that started to come out and during the day on Tuesday of multiple positive tests for Graham Mertz. And Wisconsin could be down to its uh, four-string quarterback. This is a a real concern here, isn't it, for the Badgers, which are a top-ten team, and they're coming off a, a really impressive showing against Illinois. But what happens here next? 
It sucks, man. I mean, when you look at the Big Ten protocols for COVID, they are very intense. And I, yeah. I, I think I think rightfully so, right? I mean, they're they're intense for a reason. They want to make sure that these players could return to the field of competition safely. So not only do you have to quarantine for guaranteed 21 days, when I say quarantine, you just can't be on the field for 21 days, but you have to be approved by a cardiologist, go through multiple conditioning tests, make sure you're ready to go. So that is the bare minimum of 21 days, which means – from what I'm looking at this time frame, Graham Mertz is out for at least three games. Chase Wolf also seems like he is going to be out there backup to the backup. So Jack Cohn, number one, broken ankle. Obviously, he's out. We have Graham Mertz come in, played. I mean, people were talking about him as a Heisman Trophy contender after one game. Honestly, I usually make fun of Wisconsin fans and all the other fans of the Big Ten just because, you know, I'm Iowa and we don't typically beat Wisconsin, but it is what it is. But that was that was for real, and I think Graham Mertz looked legit. Four-star quarterback. Fans wanted him as the starting quarterback last year. Looked fantastic. All right, he gets COVID. He's out. Chase Swift, we got a number three quarterback, three-star recruit. He's out. Now you're down to, I mean, some walk-ons, essentially. I mean, that's not a good look for Wisconsin. If they even are able to play Nebraska, they're playing them shorthanded. I actually talked about this in the Lockdown Hawkeyes. I project if they're able to play the next three weeks, which is a big if because the Big Ten has protocols in place that if – a certain number of your team is positive for COVID. You can't even play, which also then factors into the conversation of how many games you need to play to get into the big 10 championship game, how many games you need to be able to play to be a factor in the college football playoff committee talks. Um, But if they are able to play, I project them at one and two over the next three weeks, which if Graham Mertz were there, I say three and oh. Yeah. You have Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan coming up and Nebraska wants to play this game, right? I'm sure they're, they're wanting to bounce back. And it would, you know, for them, they don't care if if they're missing a quarterback, they're going to be able to say, yeah, we beat Wisconsin. It would actually count as a top 10 win, right? With yep. where the Badgers are ranked. So they want to play that game. I also want to see how Nebraska bounces back. I also hate it. You know, I, I want to see what the story could be with Mertz, how he played last week. And if you know, Wisconsin was my top choice as the um, number one challenger to Ohio State, and I think was yours too, right? Didn't, yep. didn't you say Wisconsin 100%. last week? So we can't say that now at least I'm not going to and nope. that's unfortunate we we also knew that this could be a possibility it could happen with another school out there so number one I hate it but it's also just uh, that that's the scenario that that we knew could happen in the Big Ten and it's happened very quickly yeah the competitor me definitely hates it I, I also did want to see Nebraska play a, a fully loaded Wisconsin team I actually thought Nebraska did quite a few good things against Ohio State um, Ohio State is superbly talented now the Big Ten West is wide open. I mean, as an Iowa fan, I'm talking to people telling them Iowa still has a chance. They control their own destiny. If Wisconsin is going to be down for three games, that's huge. Any team could get into the Big Ten title game or Big Ten championship game, which honestly makes Ohio State's path even easier if Wisconsin isn't the team. I mean, Wisconsin with Graham Mertz is clearly the best team, in my opinion, especially after watching Minnesota get shellacked by Michigan, which, again, I'm not saying Michigan's back. Minnesota has a lot of issues of their own, but – it definitely makes the Big Ten West wide open, and it just sucks to see this happen. But it's what we thought was going to happen in 2020, man. You never know. I will say for Michigan fans, they've got to be really excited, shouldn't they, with the win against Minnesota, Michigan State with that ugly loss to Rutgers. Now Michigan gets to play the Spartans, so they'd love to start out 2-0, and beat a rival, and then see where they can go from there. But Michigan fans have to be really excited. Now, none of them should be more excited than Ohio State, don't get me wrong, but the, the psyche of fans, fans who are off to a great start, Wisconsin would probably be removed from that. Nebraska is actually probably a little more confident than you would think coming out of week one. And then uh, I'll be curious where some others are. But the, the ups and downs of the Big Ten fan bases could be fun to follow this year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster of emotion. I'm pretty sure I'm one of the only fan bases that actually just pissed off the entire time. Losing to Purdue was rough. Northwestern's probably super happy. Hell, yeah. Rutgers got their first win in like three years. I mean, Michigan State, Iowa, and probably Maryland are the only fan bases that are truly pissed off. Uh, maybe Penn State add in there because they got screwed in that play call. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a wild time in the Big Ten. Yeah, uh, you're, you're probably right there, too. I agree on uh, Penn State Northwestern with the hire of Mike Majakin. He's a former Tennessee offensive coordinator under Butch Jones, coaching the NFL. I think that was a good hire. And uh, how about Rutgers with 38 points? They had 51 last year total in the Big Ten. So a, a nice debut, at least, for Greg Schiano. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. And uh, as we start to uh, transition here, we can, this segment and next, Andrew, look at the games that are coming up. We talked about Oklahoma State. It's a nice showing now they get ready for Texas. Texas is not going to be a contender like it hoped to. But what about Texas trying to turn Oklahoma State into a pretender? That's one matchup to at least pay attention to in the Big 12. Oklahoma State's going to host that one at 4 o'clock Eastern on Fox on Saturday. Absolutely, man. I mean, I always talk about how I don't think Texas is back. That isn't me saying Texas isn't a solid football team with talent on it that is capable of beating Oklahoma State, though. And if you're a Texas program, what a better way to you know salvage a season than knocking off some of your other competitors in the big – you know, you don't want those teams to go to the college world playoff, especially if you're a Texas who thought you were going to be that team to go. You want to knock off an Oklahoma State. If at this point you're kind of hoping you can get into one of the bigger bulls just by winning some more games, beating an Oklahoma State – so it's a big game, and I think Oklahoma State should be on upset alert. Yeah, now and kind of, we can come back to the Big 12 conversation we've had. What does the Big 12 want to happen? At this point, the Big 12 wants Oklahoma State to, to keep winning, right, to represent the conference that has been beaten up in conversation since week one. Yeah, you want, you want Oklahoma State to win, and I think a sneaky team you want to win is Kansas State as well. You want to continue to build up the reputation of the Big 12 by having a few teams that are at least undefeated, and Kansas State's going to need every single win they can possibly get because people are not going to believe Kansas State is back until they actually do something pretty impressive. I know beating Oklahoma was impressive, but they did that last year as well. So um, I think you want Oklahoma State to win, and you want Kansas State to win as well. Hey, and uh, one other thought from last segment as we were talking about some of the teams that should be getting attention. We did not mention Cincinnati. They blew out SMU last weekend, get Memphis this upcoming week, Houston after that. Should we be talking about the Bearcats a little bit more? I think we just, I mean, talk about the BYU, the BYU thing. They're just not playing very good teams. I mean, I know they're beating ranked teams, but honestly, just being ranked isn't also that impressive this year either because you're being ranked without you know, 12 other teams possibly. At some point, everybody's been ranked, it seems like. Exactly. I mean, hell, half the Sun Belt's been ranked this year. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what does that mean for Cincinnati? I think it does hurt them. I, I don't think they're a team that – they're going to be another team that's probably – they might go undefeated. I think they have a good chance. And they're going to be on the outskirts looking in because they're not going to get into the college ball playoff. All right, so the, uh, the weekly watch of who is Andrew Wade ticked off this week, the Cincinnati Bearcats – Fan base, Michigan a little bit. Oklahoma State, depending on the result this weekend. Did I miss somebody? Uh, no, I think you probably covered it, man. I, I just find a way to piss off at least a couple, man. I just throw out those takes. It happens every week. We'll come back. We'll look at some of the other games to pay attention to, a game or two that might uh, bring a pick in as well to make before Saturday. We'll get to that coming up in the final segment here of Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Andrew, as we continue to look at the games, we did mention Ohio State, Penn State, but that's a, that's a primetime game, 7.30 Eastern, ABC. Any shot Penn State makes that uh, a competitive game in the fourth quarter, considering everything we said earlier in the show? 
I don't think so, man. Uh, I, I really do think Ohio State is just too darn good, and I think they're going to want to show it. This is a statement game for them. They want to put people on notice, let them know, hey, we're in this conversation too, and they have to play catch-up. I mean, remind the fact that Alabama and Clemson have already played multiple games. They're already in the eye. People know these teams are legit. Ohio State does have to play catch-up. Justin Fields does have to play catch-up. I think putting a statement win over Penn State, even a Penn State team that did lose on a crappy call to Indiana – that would be a good win for them. I think there's no, I don't think it's close in the fourth quarter. I mean, and by close, I mean, I think it's going to be two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, but Penn state isn't going to have a legitimate shot to win. Yeah. You you have to have the firepower and um, I, I don't see it. So I'm with you. I, we see it the same way with what Ohio state should do at Penn state coming up on Saturday. I don't, I don't know what this game is going to be. Auburn three 30 uh, at uh, home against LSU. Uh, what's the officiating going to be like? Is that continues to be a conversation with Lane Kiffin and uh, his public complaints on Twitter, but Auburn's gotten some breaks. It'll be at home against LSU, which is coming off a really impressive showing after an ugly start to the season. What do you think there uh, LSU and Auburn, which aren't going to have sec title hopes, but they're obviously two big names. Yeah, I mean, I have not been a fan of Auburn this entire year. I am not in the Bodenix fan club. Uh, I think I'm actually probably the one of the leaders of the I hate Bodenix fan club. So add Auburn to the list of teams I hate and people that are going to hate me. But I think LSU wins this game and by more than a touchdown. Um, LSU struggled early on in the season. They struggled heavily in defense, especially in their secondary. Um, but I think they've gotten a lot better the last couple of weeks. And this is a, this is a must win game for them. I know that sounds ridiculous. Uh, a couple games in the season, but LSU needs to win this game if they want to have any sort of pride in their season at this point. Yeah. Must win is uh, it's a funny conversation. We've been having it in Knoxville as the balls are off this week, but they've lost three straight. They're going to have Arkansas coming up next week. And uh, I think you reached now a territory of either must win or better not lose games. I think that's where Tennessee is. And the Vols have a chance to see what Arkansas does this week. The Razorbacks are coming off an off week and they get Texas A&M. It's going to be at 7.30 on Saturday night. They're playing at Kyle Field. So A&M, which is a team I mentioned earlier, let's see how things unfold as this season goes along. They still have some SEC title and playoff hopes. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win it. I would not pick them at all. But A&M's still a pretty good team. Kellen Mond against Arkansas, which has shown up pretty impressively. They're 2-2, two and two, and they were actually a victim of one of those officiating uh, mistakes in the Auburn game when Arkansas lost but could have won it in Week 2. Yeah, I mean, I have been a – big better on Arkansas, not a believer, but now I am. I mean, I've watched multiple Arkansas games just because I've had money on those games. And I've really liked what Arkansas can do. Um, they're a team that to me, and I'm going to go back to my big 10 roots. They're kind of like a Northwestern mm -hmm. or an Iowa in the sense where they're just going to be close in a lot of games. They might not win the games. They might not have the most talent, but they find ways to keep the games close. And Texas A&M is such a hot and cold team. I mean, beating Florida, which I didn't think Florida was the you know amazing team, but Florida is a darn good team. Texas A&M, taking care of business there. Um, I think this is a game that could be on upset alert, but I do think Texas A&M does pull it out. But I think Arkansas makes it close. I mean, the spread's almost 14 points. Um, I think Arkansas is, is within a touchdown. Okay, uh, so pay attention uh, and maybe a little value there with Arkansas. Week three, by the way, when that mishap uh, happened with Auburn as they were going for back-to-back -back wins there. But Sam Pittman's done a good job early on. So uh, maybe something to pay attention to. And then Florida's back in action. Florida had been off a couple of weeks, Andrew, because of some positive COVID tests down there with players and coaches, including Dan Mullen, but number 10, Florida at home against Missouri. I remember we saw Florida lose at Texas A&M. And then there was talk of, can they pack the house for the LSU game, which ended up not happening. 
Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, uh, things all happen very cyclically, right? Like they talk about packing the house and then half their team goes out with COVID. Um, the, the world works a very funny way. I think Florida though, they want to get back. They want to bend, you know, they want to get back into the driver's seat of their hopes. They want to get on the winning track again. Missouri's not a bad team. They've been really up and down this year as well. I think some high hopes coming into the season as being a sleeper team, but uh, I think Florida takes care of business pretty easily there. I think Kyle Trask gets back on track. You know, you know what's funny is uh, Clemson, we hardly mention each week just because what they do is just so impressive and the competition to this point has not really offered much for the Tigers. So it's a matter of, okay, well, how many points can they put up and how interested are they going to be? But Clemson already 6-0. and uh, They have Boston College at noon, but they're getting ready for next week at Notre Dame. So next week we'll be talking Clemson for sure with uh, their game against the Irish next week. I cannot wait for Clemson to prove me right about Notre Dame. I Notre Dame is just not a good team. I, I, I just don't believe in it. I want Clemson to show us that. That'll be a good statement game for them as well. But let's get Notre Dame out of the conversation of being a, a college ball playoff committee team or college ball playoff team. They're not going to be a team. Once Clemson takes care of business against Boston College, um, I think they're going to let off the gas in the second half. Uh, probably not play nearly as many of their you know, starters in that second half. Want to get up to a big lead so they can get ready for Notre Dame. And they're going to stomp all over Notre Dame just like they did Miami. Notre Dame plays at Georgia Tech this weekend. That's a 3.30 kick on ABC. Uh, one other, is Indiana Rutgers sneaky interesting because Indiana had that finish and Rutgers won, week, uh, won in week one from the Big Ten? I, I never thought that uh, I would highlight Indiana Rutgers here, but here we are. It's an interesting game to highlight. Um, I will say no. I okay. think Indiana is good. Rutgers is you can see the impact of Greg Schiano. They brought in a lot of grad transfers, brought in a lot of JUCO transfers, um, brought in a new quarterback. I mean, you can see they are working on something, but Michigan State, this is more about Michigan State being yeah. terrible. Mel Tucker was a bad hire. They had a bad offseason. They have bad quarterback. I mean, Rocky Lombardi, he played okay. Um, he's a former Des Moines Valley guy. I'm from that area. Not a great quarterback, though. But this is more about Michigan State being terrible than Rutgers being great. But it's a nice story to see Rutgers at least get that win, um, force some turnovers. But, yeah, I think Indiana is going to beat them pretty bad. All right, Andrew, anything else to leave the audience with as we get ready for a, a football schedule, which I will say what I think I mentioned last week on the show. I just enjoy pulling up the schedule each week and seeing a bunch of games in each time slot. And I actually have to really decide which games I want to watch. And I miss some games that will probably be pretty good. It's not a, a huge slate of man. That's a must watch matchup, but it is a lot of football, which is good. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. You like being able to say, all right, there's four games on and I can only choose two. All right, let me figure out which two, but there's four games I could actually choose from versus the first couple of weeks. It was like, do I want to watch Texas state? Or do I want to watch Eastern Nowhere, Ohio play Eastern Nowhere, Kentucky, right? Like that's the kind of decisions I was trying to make. It's a lot better to have real college football back. And once we get the Pac-12 back, now we're going to have Pac-12 at dark. It's going to be fantastic from 10 a.m. my time. I live in Mount, the mountain time zone, 10 a.m. my time to almost 10 p.m. We're going to have college football pack in the house every single weekend. Now listeners in Eastern Kentucky are going to be ticked off <laughs> as well. Andrew Wade, Locked on Hawkeyes. Uh, follow him there. We'll be back next week. Should be a really fun show. Each Wednesday, it's a Ward and Wade Wednesday. The show is here five days a week covering what's going on with college football around the country. Remember to download, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for being with us. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next time here on Locked on College Football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.